Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Man, church family, how many of you believe that today? Great is His faithfulness. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He is a good and gracious God. If you believe that today, give Jesus a shout of praise at all of our campuses. Come on, church family. Amen. Amen. What an amazing time of worship, and we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here. And if you're a first-time guest, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're at our West Kendall campus, Doral, uh, Redland, Core Gables downtown. If you're watching us online, uh, Christ Fellowship Palmetto Bay, can we give it up for them as loud as you can? We are in the middle of this series that we've entitled uh, Conversationalist. And we've been going through some difficult topics, and what we're doing is we're preaching uh, God's Word for about 25 to 30 minutes, and then we're having a conversation with an expert or someone who's gone uh, through that topic that we're discussing. And because this, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, today, this weekend, we're going to be tackling the topic of depression and anxiety. And I really believe uh, that this message is going to be life-changing for our church. How many of you are ready to receive God's Word. Come on. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 6, and here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in the city of Philippi, and he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Say with me, prayer. prayer. Say it like you mean it, prayer. prayer. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Amen? You can have a seat now at all of our campuses and Many of you may know this about me, and some of you may not know, but I'm actually a musician. I've been playing the piano since I was about the age of 16, and there's a picture of me there playing at a church in North Carolina. I have been wearing suit jackets since I was a boy, a teenage boy, all right? It's, I guess it's my thing. Uh, but when I was a young boy, I've always loved music. Now, all types of music. Now, the different types of music have evolved throughout time. But not only the types of music have evolved, but the method of how we listen to music has also evolved. Because most of us nowadays, we listen to music through one of our streaming platforms like Amazon Music and uh, YouTube or Spotify. Uh, but before that, we used to listen to music through CDs. Uh, before that, it was uh, tape cassettes. But before all of that, we would listen to music, most of our music, through vinyl records. How many of you remember that? Come on, make some noise, all my old school people. Here's the thing about vinyl records. Actually, the quality of the music is really, really good because sometimes, because we have to download a song on Spotify and it's compressed into a certain amount of, for us to be able to download it, we lose some of the quality and some of the tunes and the melodies of the song. So the quality is actually really good on a vinyl record. However, there is a major drawback because whenever that record is scratched, that song, that verse, that bridge, that chorus, it's gonna play the same tune over and over and over. And it gets stuck on that same song and the same tune, verse, chorus, bridge, whatever you're listening to. And it doesn't matter how amazing that band is, it doesn't matter how much you enjoy that song, how much you love that band, that group. When that song is played over and over and over, you no longer enjoy that song. It is stuck on that note. It is stuck on that bridge, and it plays it over and over and over. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because don't miss the point in all of this church because just like that vinyl record could get stuck on the same song and you play it over and over and over, just like that, and this is our big 
takeaway for this weekend. Sometimes our negative thoughts get stuck in our minds. And we think about them over and over and over. We think about that thought of fear, of anxiety, of worry, of discouragement, of disappointment, of sadness, of betrayal. We think about it over and over and over to the point that it can lead to extreme depression and anxiety. And who knows, maybe you're here today Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, that is me. I'm thinking about that negative thought over and over and over to the point that I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. I feel like a failure because I think about that thought over and over and over. How do I get unstuck from these negative thoughts? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through God's word. And so we love uh, to take notes here, so I want to encourage you to take out your listening guide, take out your Christ Fellowship app, and write this down as your first point for today. Here's what I want us all to realize. We can all face moments of depression and anxiety. Every single one of us, we can all face moments of depression and anxiety. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Notice how Paul does not say, hey, if you become anxious in the future, or if you know someone who is dealing with anxiety or depression, or maybe you may become anxious, but instead he says, do not be anxious. In other words, he's implicitly saying that his audience, the church in the city of Philippi, they're dealing with anxiety. Here's what I want us to all realize. Whether you've been a believer for a very long time, or maybe you just came to the faith, or perhaps you're not a Christian, we all have a propensity inside of us to become anxious and even depressed. I don't have to tell you that we live in a fallen and sinful world. Sin is everywhere. It affects everything that we do. And there could be a lot of things that could bring discouragement, disappointment, sadness, anxiety, worry, concern into our lives. And the mistake is that sometimes when we feel anxious or depressed, we can start thinking, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not holy enough. Maybe I am not spiritual enough. Maybe God is punishing me because I'm going through this. Maybe God does not love me. Maybe I'm not a child of God because I'm going through a dark season in my life. But I want you to know this because when you look at Scripture, when you read God's Word, several men of God, people who actually wrote the Bible, had seasons of depression and anxiety. For example, King David, who defeated Goliath. He was a teenage boy. God used him in so many ways. He had so much power, so much wealth, so much authority. He was the second king of Israel. Look at what the Bible says. If you read all throughout the book of Psalms, you will notice that there were moments that David was depressed, that he was discouraged, that he was anxious. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 43, verse 5. David writes, why are you cast down, O my soul? In other words, why are you depressed? Why am I discouraged? And why are you in turmoil within me? The battle was within him. Psalm 69, verse 1, David writes, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck, and I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. Look what he says. I have come into deep waters. I am sinking, and the floods sweep over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is dry. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. That is anxiety, that is depression, discouragement, all throughout the book of Psalms. Prophet Elijah, who went up against 850 false prophets, he battled them and he proved to them that their God was false and they were worshiping the false God of Baal. He had so many victories, God used them in so many ways, Prophet Elijah. His discouragement, his despair was so strong and so intense his anxiety and his depression was so deep that the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 that he asked God 
to take away his life. That's in the Bible. First Kings chapter 19, look at what Elijah says. And he asked that he might die saying, it is enough, God. I've had enough of all that I'm dealing with. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Jonah, same thing. When a worm ate his plant, he wanted to die. Job cursed the day that he was born. Jeremiah breathed the book of Lamentations. Weeping prophet. We all have moments and seasons where we go through anxiety or depression. And I want us to realize this, as this is so important, write this down as point A. It is okay not to be okay. Amen. It is okay not to be okay. However, it's not okay to stay isolated. Right. Come on, somebody. Right. I'm preaching to somebody today. It's not okay to stay isolated. The most dangerous thing that you can do, the most destructive thing that you can do as a child of God is that when you're going through anxiety or depression, that you begin little by little to isolate yourself from God's people. And that you feel like you're in a cave trapped in and you can't get out and you're in complete darkness. When David was going through his depression, the Bible says that he was in the wilderness isolated, not with people. When Elijah was, going, was asking God to take away his life, he was not around people. He was not in a palace. He was not at home. He was in a cave, isolated, in darkness, away from other people. And if you're going through anxiety or depression, and maybe you feel like you are in a cave, you are in a dark place, in a dark room, it is time for you to get out of isolation and get with the people of God because there is something powerful that happens the moment that you are out. The right people, the right people can infuse hope and encouragement and can be a blessing, a word of life over your life. So it's okay not to be okay. So it's not okay to stay isolated. So if you're battling this, I'm going to give us four spiritual ways through God's word that will help us overcome anxiety and depression. Now, I do want to say this, that our brain is an organ, and sometimes there are chemical imbalances that we experience, and so that is a physical thing. And in a moment, we're going to have two incredible Christian therapists that are going to help us on the physical side and some practical ways. But I'm going to give us four, before then, I'm going to give us four spiritual ways to be able to overcome anxiety and depression. And so you guys ready? Yeah. All right, here's the first point. So the next point is the things that will help with depression and anxiety, prayer. Amen. Prayer. It begins with prayer. Look what the Apostle Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. Say it with me, everything. everything. Say it like you mean it, everything. everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, when you feel anxious, when you feel worried, when you feel concerned, when you feel depressed, it is time for you to pray. Oh, but Paul, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea. Easy for you to say, you have no idea what's happening in my marriage. You have no idea what's happening at home. You have no idea what's happening with my, with my children. You have no idea what's happening at work with my finances. Listen, when the Apostle Paul writes this letter... He's not in a palace. He's not in the Ritz-Carlton five-star resort. He is in a prison cell for preaching the gospel, the word of God. Interesting enough, the apostle Paul wanted to go to Rome to plant a church because it was very strategic to be in Rome. Instead, he's in a prison cell for preaching the gospel. And he's possibly waiting his execution, his trial and his execution. And Paul says, listen, when you feel anxious... It is time to pray. Anxiety and depression are signals alerting the body that it is time for you to pray. Amen. Anxiety and depression are signals alerting you it is time to pray. Many of us, we have a car, and on, in our vehicle, we have a dashboard, and there are different indicators on that dashboard, different signals that come up. And sometimes our check engine light turns on. If the check engine light goes, turns on, it means there's something wrong with that vehicle. There's something wrong with that car. And if you continue to drive the car with that problem, it will implode on you. 
it will destruct, it will not continue driving. And so what you have to do is you can't fix the problem. You have to take the car, you have to take the vehicle to its creator. Whether Honda, Lexus, BMW, Toyota, you have to take the vehicle to its creator. Can I remind you today when you feel anxious, when you feel depressed, you can't fix yourself, you can't fix the problem. It is time for you to go to the creator who knows you more than you know yourself. God, I am I'm anxious, I am worried, I'm concerned, I'm depressed, but I cry out to you because you are the creator of this universe and you created me with purpose. How many of you believe that today? I don't have much time to preach, so I'm getting right into it. I don't have much time to preach. All right. First thing, prayer. Second thing, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Look at what Paul writes in that passage. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Wait a minute. Why would the apostle Paul begin to talk about gratitude when he's talking about, pray, about anxiety? And discouragement. See, oftentimes, we only pray about the things that bring anxiety to our lives or get us discouraged or get us depressed, get us concerned. And those, that's right for us to pray about those things. But the moment that you begin to thank God, yes. you have gratitude, you begin to shift your mind on the thing that has you concerned and anxious and worried to the blessings and the goodness of God. And it is very powerful. In fact, psychologists who are not Christians, believers, they affirm and validate what the Apostle Paul is writing here to the church in the city of Philippine. He's writing to us inspired by God. Dr. Emmons, who is a psychologist, not a believer, he wrote this book, uh, he has done extensive research on gratitude, and he wrote this book called Thanks, How the New Science of Gratitude Can Make You Happier. And in that book, he writes that people who are grateful, they have 25% chance of, of experiencing more happiness in life. Gratitude can increase happiness levels by 25%. And Dr. Emmons and another doctor from the University of Miami uh, they conducted a research a study, a case study, where they got a group of people, and they divided them to two, three different groups. Uh, and they got this group of people for 10 weeks, and uh, each group, they gave them a, a different assignment. And so for the first group, every single day for 10 weeks, they had to write all the things that they were grateful for. They would write it on a journal. They would write it on a book, on a piece of paper. Uh, the second group, every single day for 10 weeks, uh, they had to write the things that caused uh, stress and anxiety, irritations in, in their life or whatever brought discouragement. They would write that every uh, single day. And the last group, they didn't give any directions. They said they had the freedom of writing whatever came to them at the moment. It could be positive or negative, but whatever emotion or whatever uh, thing uh, came at the moment, they, they would write it down every single day. And after the study... The group that wrote what they were thankful for, for 10 weeks, they were a lot happier than everyone else. So this study is actually validating and affirming what the Apostle Paul writes, inspired by God. See, the moment that you feel anxious or worried or concerned or depressed or discouraged or the betrayal, all these negative thoughts come to your mind. You start thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, thank you so much for your provision. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for my husband. God, thank you for my children. God, thank you for my wife. And there's something powerful that begins to take place. Amen? Amen. Prayer, thankfulness. Here's the next point that I want you to write down today. Replace that negative thought with God's word. Replace that negative thought with God's word. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 8. This is so powerful. Stay with me. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is amiable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think 
Say with me, think. Think about such things. In other words, think about what is true, not what is toxic. Think of what is lovely, not what is negative. Think about what is amiable, praiseworthy, excellent, honorable, good, gracious. Think about such things. Listen, we can't control the thoughts that come to our minds. If we were to be honest with each other, at times, we get some bizarre thoughts. No clapping on that one. Don't clap for that one. We get some evil thoughts. We get some bad, wicked thoughts. You can't control the thoughts that come to your mind, but you could control how long you think about that thought. Let me give you an example. We have a remote control. You change the channel on the remote control. You can't control the show, the movie, the game that comes up on the TV. ESPN, boom, something comes up. ABC, something comes up. Fox News, CNN, whatever you're watching, it's going to come up. You can't control that. However, you could control how long you stay on that channel. Some of you need to change the channel. Tell the person next to you, change the channel. Tell the other person next to you, change the channel. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. When you get discouraged, oh, I'm not good enough. If only they knew the things I did. If only they knew about my previous marriage. Oh, I feel so much guilt. All the anxiety, all the concerns, all the worries. You need to change that channel, replace that thought with the Word of God. Can I be real with you? I've been real with you, but can I be more real with you? I get negative thoughts in my mind. I get a headache. Maybe I have a tumor. Comes to my mind. Pastor, maybe that tumor is stage four cancer. It's my thoughts. That means I only have three months to live. I need to start saving up more money for Shawnee and the children. What's going to start happening? What's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to Noah, Nathan, and Everly? They're going to grow up fatherless. Start thinking this. I'm not going to be able to walk my beautiful daughter, Everly, down the aisle to whatever punk she's going to marry or whatever. (laughs) That wasn't part of the message. That was at the moment. I start thinking those thoughts. When I put together a message, I start thinking, nobody's going to listen to it. Like, you shouldn't be preaching. You're good at playing piano. Stick to that. Play piano. You're, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're, you're not a good leader. All these starts start, start coming to me. But the moment they come, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me change the channel. God, you're the one that called me. You're the one that assigned, assigned me. You're the one that appointed me. Not because of how good I am. Not because of how gifted I am. Not because of my skills, my abilities, my talents, how eloquent I am. But by the grace of God, I am where I am. And God, you love Shawnee more than I love Shawnee. And my children, God, you love them more than I do. You're going to take care of them. You're going to provide for them. You're going to protect them. You are sovereign and you are in control. Change that channel. I am preaching to somebody today at all of our campuses. Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Core Gables, downtown, Redland, Homestead, West Kendall, Doral. Change that channel. When Jeremiah was going through his depression and lamentations and he was sad, look what the Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Look, he was, if you read chapter 3, he was going through deep depression. He says, yet this I call to a to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Hope in what? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you believe that today? The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, anxiety in a man causes depression but a good word makes him glad. Psalm 43, verse 5, David, when he was going through his anxiety and depression, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again. 
the most powerful three-word sermon that you can preach to your soul, to your mind, is hope in God. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter how deep the depression is, hope in God. Replace that negative thought with God's word. And here's the last point. It's so important. Know God is near. Know God is near. You know, going back to Elijah when Elijah was in the cave and he was depressed and he was anxious and worried and he asked God, God, take my life. Here's what I love. God doesn't tell Elijah, son, you just have to have more faith. Son, you just have to trust me more. You just have to go to church more. You just have to go to the small group more. You just have to pray more. You just have to believe more. You just have to try harder. Not that those things are wrong, but he doesn't tell them that. He doesn't tell Elijah that. But instead, God meets Elijah where he's at. In that cave. And look, this is so powerful. This is so, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Look at what happens when he meets him. The Lord said, Elijah had cried out, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. You would think he would be in the fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Whisper. God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the shattering of the rocks. But he was in the whisper. He whispered to Elijah. Why would God whisper to Elijah? Why would he whisper to Elijah? He wanted him to know that he was near. He was near. You can't whisper to someone who is far away. You can't whisper to someone who is distant. You can whisper to someone who is not near you. God whispers to Elijah because he wanted to let Elijah know, son, I'm near. Son, I'm with you. Son, I'm for you. Son, I'm going to get you through this. Son, I'm going to sustain you. Son, I know what you're battling. I know you better than you know yourself. You're going to get through this. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to lead you. My grace is enough, son. I'm going to walk with you. I am near you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never abandon you. You will never be left alone because I love you so much. You can't battle this on your own. How many of you believe that today, that he is near? I want you to give God the loudest shout of praise that you can give God. He is near your anxiety. He is near your depression. He is near your discouragement. He is near. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Those are four spiritual ways that we can overcome anxiety, depression. But here's what we're going to do now. This moment now is going to be so, so powerful at all of our campuses. Stay where you're seated. We're not done. I'm going to invite two incredible Christian therapists. They're going to be able to help us dive more into this uh, topic. So at all of our campuses, I want to welcome these amazing women, Nat, uh, Nick, Nikki and Monica. Thank you so much for joining us today. Love having you. Thank you so much. And can we give it up for them once again? Praise God. And amazing. So first of all, it's so good to have uh, both of you here. And so my heart is racing a little because I got, got passionate, so I got a little excited. But uh, first of all, thank you so much for, for being here. And before we dive into it, can you quickly tell us your role at uh, Wellspring Christian Counseling? So. Yeah. So my name is Nicole Alfonso. I'm a counselor at Wellspring. I'm the uh, director of our Bounce Trauma Resolution Camp for kids ages 11 to 18. 
And I'm a qualified supervisor for interns as well. Good. <laughs> I'm Monica Snyder. I'm the clinical director at Wellspring Counseling and a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm also a qualified supervisor and an EMDR approved consultant. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being here. And let's dive right into it. We don't have much time. But, you know, the first thing I want to ask is, um, you know, obviously this topic of mental health is a big deal. And this month is mental health awareness. And, um, you know, I think when it comes to the Christian world, sometimes we can think, well, you know, Pastor, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. I'm, I'm a new person. Uh, why is it important for believers to prioritize uh, their mental health? Okay, so when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our hearts, we're inviting God in and reconciling with God. And from that moment forward, we see things through God's eyes. But we have a lot of stuff in our past, right? We have experiences that have hurt us, that have created maybe shame in us, traumatic experiences that have distorted our hearts and minds. And so um, what happens is that Jesus comes in, the beauty about it all is that he starts changing those negative thought patterns, right? Those lies. Um, and, but it's a process that takes time, so it's not immediate, right? Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. And so we do things like prayer, we read our Bible, we're part of a small group and community, um, and we go to counseling because we want to clear the things out of the way, the stronghold, the things that have kind of held us down so that we can truly live that redeemed life that God has for us. Because sometimes we get really stuck in the past. And so that's why mental health is important, even for the Christian. Yeah. And with that, the truth of the matter is we don't often realize we're stuck. We might be stuck in our parenting, in our marriage, just at work, things like that. And going to counseling, we really all should get at some point because there might be things in our past that we don't even realize are actually hindering our relationships right now. And having that neutral person is a really helpful point for us to be able to say, oh, that's why I can't engage with that person, or that's why I'm really frustrated with my kids in this moment, or that's why I'm maybe micromanaging at work because I can't let go of control. That's really good, Monica. And, uh, you know, it's really good that you point out that mental, um, going to counseling is beneficial for everyone, right? But now let me ask you, when, uh, how do we know what are the red flags or what are the symptoms mm -hmm that our mental health has become so much of concern that you need professional help. You need to go to a Christian therapist. You know, kind of like what I said about the check engine light yeah. on being on. What, what are the, what are the sin, red flag symptoms, sig signals? And I think there's a, a number of them. And so a couple of them are things like you might be sleeping or eating more than normal or less than normal. You might be spending time... Um, just in front of screens, trying to avoid things. So video games, TV, your phone, social media. We might be isolating, like we saw in the video. Sometimes we're just too anxious or we're too sad to be around people. It's too much energy. And so we might be isolating from people. We might not be as interested in things that we used to do. And we just kind of find ourselves laying around a lot. Um, negative thoughts are stuck. We're just always seeing the worst in ourselves and the world around us. Um, other things could be substances. So we're using drugs or alcohol. Maybe we have a glass of wine one or two times a week, but now it's every night to help us to go to sleep. Um, other things could be that we, um, we're not functioning quite as well at home and school. Um, our kids are calling out a lot. And with that comes those stomach pains. We have kids all the time that say, my stomach hurts, my head hurts. But even as adults, we have that. So we might avoid work and we might not be able to go. And we go to the doctor because we have these stomach aches. It feels like we're having a heart attack. We're constantly jittery or even just random normal or random aches and pains. And we go to the doctor, and the doctor says, there's nothing medically wrong. That's actually signs of depression or anxiety just manifesting itself physically. And one other thing is when we have thoughts of not wanting to be here anymore, um, wanting to hurt yourself, um, trying to make a plan for that, that's a huge red flag. The number two leading cause of death in ages 10 to 24 is suicide. Oh my gosh. This is a big red flag. We need to be aware of this. 
So it's okay to get help when these things are happening to you and you're having these kind of limits uh, in your life. How do like people get there? Like what are causes, like main causes of, because everyone has a uh, gloomy day, you know, anxious moments. And we, like I said in my message, we all face anxiety and depression. But how do people get into such deep, deep depression and anxiety? What are, what are causes of, of that? Such a good question. Such an important question to answer. So the first thing I want to say is a Christian that seeks mental health help is not a bad Christian. So mental health is not a moral issue. It's not a good or bad thing. It's uh, I have some things in my past. I have some things that I'm struggling with, and I'm going to use God's tools to help me through this. Okay? That's so good. That's good. Um, so with that said, let's talk about these reasons. The first thing is there could be a chemical imbalance, which is what Carlos mentioned. Uh, there could be depletion of neurotransmitters in our brain, a complete physical issue that could be distorting us a little bit and making us feel really sad, unhappy. Um, there's also the hereditary component, right? So we may have generationally genes that predispose us to be more uh, inclined for, to depression. Okay, so those are definitely things that are, have nothing to do with whether you're a good or bad Christian, right? So the next thing is medical issues, and that uh, Monica touched on that a little bit, but thyroid disorder, uh, by high blood pressure, diabetes, these can all cause mood swings. They can, cardiac issues, um, TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, okay? They can mimic mental health issues. And so as counselors, we always like to see that our clients have gone to a doctor to get a physical um, every year because we have to rule those things out in order to work um, forward in, in the mental health area of that person. Um, so that's one, another thing. Um, trauma, huge. Traumatic events in our lives really do change our brain, okay? So what happens is that when a trauma happens, there are parts of our brains that are more activated than others. So the limbic system, which is involved with feelings and emotions, is overly activated, which means that something small may happen and your reaction is this big. It's disproportionate, okay? And so working through that is really important because if not, you will move forward uh, in a distorted manner and that will impact all your relationships. So trauma. Unresolved childhood experiences. I'm sorry to say that we all have them. Mm. Our parents weren't perfect, right? I'm not perfect as a parent. I was telling my, my, my kids, I'm gonna put on a little fund, a therapy fund for you guys, so that when you grow up, you can tap into that and get the help you need for the things that I didn't do right. But, um, <laughs> so unresolved childhood experiences can create negative thoughts about ourselves. So for example, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Maybe you were neglected, abandoned, and you lead your life from that place. It affects everything you do. And so that's another. Uh, unhealthy lifestyles, talked about that. Depression, um, sorry, alcohol is a depressant. Marijuana, although it appears to calm you, is also gives you anxiety. Um, oh. Diets can also affect, uh, affect you. The stomach, they, they say the stomach is the second brain. Everything you give your stomach will affect your brain. Inflammation doesn't only happen in all this area, it also happens in your brain and it can affect your mood. Um, and then lack of, um, of coping skills. A lot of times when things happen to us, um, we create these really dysfunctional coping skills, like drinking too much, like doing drugs, like shopping, I mean, all kinds of stuff that we can do. Um, and so we don't learn the right coping skills that we should be applying um, to improve and get better in our mental health. So those are all the reasons. Um, and again, they're not because you did anything wrong, but because things happened to you and, you know. Um, so. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, on another note, I think what happens, uh, especially in the, in the church world, uh, when people are uh, going through deep anxiety or, or depression, you know, people will say, and they mean, well, hey, you, you, you just got to pray more, or hey, you just got to fast more, hey, you got you to go to church more, be in that small group, serve more, and, and those are good things, foundational things, 
uh, but then I think they can neglect other practical, helpful things as well. And so one of the things that I get asked as a pastor is, okay, pastor, um, is it okay for a Christian, a believer, to take medication, uh, antidepressant or uh, a medication for, the, for anxiety? Is, you know, is that okay? And that's a question that I get asked. And so I want you to, Monica, for you to, to, to answer say, that. I'm looking at you. Absolutely. So just like if I so go what's to... The, sorry, what's the answer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So just like I go to the doctor and maybe I get diagnosed with diabetes, I'm going to have to take insulin. And I know that I have to take insulin because if I don't, my body's not going to regulate my sugar correctly and I will eventually die. Sin has affected not just our, our physical bodies, but also our minds. And so a lot of times, um, norepinephrine, do dopamine, serotonin, these things can actually get depleted, especially if we've had long periods of time with anxiety or depression. Sometimes it's organic. It's a lifelong thing where our brains just never learn to make the right amounts of those, chem um, those balances in our brain. And so we're just always going to need the medication to keep it regulated. And so just like that, we really, so in mental health, a lot of times what we do is kind of like a headache. We come to counseling and we work on coping skills. We work on those negative thoughts. We work on things um, that we can do to just change our lifestyle. Um, we talk through traumas and things like that, but sometimes we're still stuck and we're not able to make progress. And so as a counselor, we're trained to notice that and we're going to say to our clients, hey, maybe it's a really good idea for you right now. We've ruled out the physical, so there's not thyroid or high blood pressure, things like that. But actually, we want you to go get an evaluation with a psychiatrist because we think that those things may be depleted and we just need a kickstart, right? So once again, there are organic depression, there's organic anxiety, bipolar, psychosis, even ADHD that may need um, lifelong medication treatment. But sometimes it's also just a kickstart. So it's a couple months to a couple years, whatever is watched by the psychiatrist and the counselor. And it, that jumpstart allows for the brain to kick in. We can start using our coping skills. We can fully be present in the processing of childhood traumas or just traumas we've experienced. And then over time, we can wean ourselves off with our help with our psychiatrist. And so, you know, once again, I think there's a stigma of, yeah. around that idea of medication that if you're on mental health medication, because we don't have the ease of like blood work or brain scans to be able to diagnose it, we diagnose it by the symptoms we were talking about a little while ago. Instead, so there's a stigma, like something's wrong with you, but there's nothing wrong with you. It's just the way your brain is processing things and it just needs that extra help. And another reason why you would need medication and it's not negotiable is yeah. if you do have suicidal thoughts. If your brain is in that level, there is no way you can work through that unless you have medication. Absolutely. That's important. And I think you shared when we were uh, <clears throat> meeting earlier this week how parents will sometimes like, no, no, my child doesn't need it. And they got into such a bad point. They're like, you know, yeah. can you share a little bit about that? And or? I think a little, I think it's important to, to remember that our counselors are trained. Mm. And so if your counselor is encouraging this step, go ahead and take it. We care about our clients. We yeah. want them well. And in addition to that, if somebody in your life is telling you, I'm concerned about you, I see you've changed a little bit, you're not you know, hanging out as much with us, you're not doing the things that you used to, uh, a friend, a family, listen. And also be courageous to say that to someone too. Yeah. Because we need to hear that, especially yeah. from the people that love us the most. Um, that's part of being community. Yeah. I love, Monica, that you mentioned about uh, coping skills and you just said community now. Uh, I think what, what happens sometimes, there's the one extreme of, hey, don't go to counseling, pray, pray, you know, fast and all that stuff. And then sometimes the pendulum can swing to the other side where it's like, oh, well, just go to counseling medication. And I, what I ask people is like, well, how's your prayer life? How uh, are you going to church? Are you in a small group? Because at times... If you do these things, like the spiritual, uh, you know, steps that I gave us, mm -hmm. if you do this, 
it will take care of the anxiety and depression a lot of times, you know, and so uh, I love the, you talked about the coping skills before getting to, okay, yeah, you, you, need, you need to take uh, medication. So speaking of coping skills, <laughs> what are some uh, practical, if someone is going through that now, uh, anxiety, depression, whether mild or, you know, severe, what are some uh, coping skills uh, for someone to, to, to yeah. do? I got a couple yeah. good ones. All right, bring it on. And just so you guys know, that slide is actually a little business card on our table out there. So feel free to pick it up if you don't have time to jot everything down. But my favorite is actually walking with somebody that you trust, a spouse, even your kids. One of my daughters and I walk a lot. And when we walk with another person and talk through things, it actually uses our entire brain to process what we're going through. It lowers our stress and allows us for us to solidify that memory and work through things maybe that aren't totally solidified yet. Um, my husband and I started doing it before or when COVID started, and we actually notice now when we miss walking our stress levels are higher, we tend to be more jittery, things like that. And so we notice how much it actually helps us, even our marriage. My second thing that I wanna suggest is journaling. I love oh. journaling so much. Um, and not just dictating into your phone, not typing on your computer, but actually handwriting it out. I brought my bullet journal today. It is my planner, but it's also my journal. And so when I'm going through my day and it's just, my brain feels so overwhelmed, I'll start writing things down and just brain dumping. And it's amazing how I can kind of say, oh, it's not as bad as it feels, or oh, that's the connection I'm missing, or things like that. Um, but journaling by hand actually helps increase new learning, it helps us process our emotions, it helps us process the things that we're thinking through and experiencing. It's really amazing how well it helps our brains to work through things. Um, the last thing I'll mention today is my prayer box, and I brought it with me. It's just a little Altoid tin. It's got a little piece of paper, a little pencil. But, and some people will call it a worry box. I call it a prayer box because for me, I visually can write down my worry, including today's talk, <laughs> and I place it in here, and I leave it in God's hands in a visual, physical Amen. representation. Amen. And, <laughs> And so what I do is I leave it there. When it comes back up, I don't judge it. I just notice it. Amen. It's that control of how long you think about it. I say, God, I need you to take it. And then every once in a while, I'll go back and look through and see how God has either changed my heart or he's answered the prayer request I've put in here. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. So Amen. good. It really is a holistic thing. We, you know, Some of these things that we're going to share may not work for you. Some will. So it, just take the ones that you think are going to be really good for you. A joy journal is awesome because the truth is that when we think good things, good chemicals are released in our brain. So joy, gratitude journal. We also have the, well, three C's. So you catch your thought, you challenge it, and then, no, you catch, catch it, you change it. Challenge. And then change. No, challenge and then yeah. change. Catch it, challenge, and change. So sometimes, oh, for no, say, example, say that, again. that was good. That was really good. Catch it, challenge, and change it. Right, challenge good. it against reality, right? So I, sometimes I have the thought, which I'm sure every mom in here has had it. I'm not a good mom mm. because, you know, we do, we yell, we do things that, you know, we shouldn't be doing as a, as a mom. But I remember then all the things that I do do that are really good. And so that really helps me to change it. Um, also, self-care routine. It's really important that we remember that we have a body to take care of, right? Physically exercise, the food that we eat, um, our sleep. All these things are essential. Again, it's not one thing. It's many things that we do together for our mental health. Feelings daily inventory. A lot of times we go through our day completely detached from ourselves. We're just go, go, go. And so I'm asking you, take two or three times a day to stop and connect with yourself. What's going on? How am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? What is the message the feeling is telling me? Sometimes it's excitement. I'm excited. Sometimes I'm nervous. It's okay. Why are you nervous? You got this. God's got this. So you, you do a little self-talk on the feelings, right? And just connect with yourself a little bit and find ways to calm the feeling down, talk to someone, whatever you need to do. Uh, five senses check-in. Same kind of idea. This one is more about being present. So you start, you say, okay, what am I looking at? What am I touching? What am I smelling? 
um, and on the other senses. And that just helps you be present because a lot of us live in the past or in the future and not in the present. So just a way of being in the present. Find your safe people. Um, you know, it's so important that you just have one person or two people that you could say, oh my gosh, this is happening. Pray for me. Oh my gosh, this is happening. I need to talk, right? Monica is one of my safe people. And so just have your safe people and be able to reach out to them and speak to them about what's happening with you. And then one, and really important, guys, you guys need, we have to have fun. Playtime yeah. in our marriages, in our families. We forget to have fun because we're just doing, taking here, going there. Have fun. That also releases really good chemicals in your brain. I, I, know, I know something we talked about, something as simple as uh, smiling, right, can really help yes. with depression and anxiety. So next time uh, my children are driving me crazy, I'm going to smile. <laughs> For I spanked them, no, I'm smiling while I'm spanking them. So uh, uh, we can spend an entire sermon series. I told the staff we can spend an entire sermon series on depression and anxiety. So we try to do the best that we can and fit it within 50 uh, minutes. And so, but both of you have been phenomenal, amazing. Can we encourage uh, Nikki and Monica? Listen. Uh, don't do this alone. Don't be isolated. Get with other people. Join a small group or come and see them. They have 34 uh, professional Christian therapists that can help you. And so at all of our campuses, uh, they're going to have a station, right? Wellsprings has a station there. And so one of the representatives will be there. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to get you uh, connected to their uh, counseling center. And so uh, thank you once again for being here. I'm going to invite everyone to stand to your feet now. Um, and before I pray for you, I just want to remind you, be back next week. We're going to tackle a very important topic, and so make sure that you uh, join us as we tackle about gender identity. And so I know that's a big, big discussion uh, in, our, in our society right now. But let me pray for you. If you're battling anxiety, depression, I want to pray for you uh, specifically right now. Father God, we just come before you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, God, that brings, it's not only for information, but also transformation, God. May you help us, Lord, to be able to use your word to replace those negative thoughts that come to our minds, Lord. I pray, God, for the peace of God to, to, to just take over our minds and our hearts uh, of uh, all the people in our church, Lord. Continue to give us strength and the wisdom and the grace and the courage that we need, Lord, to face the worries that we encounter in this world, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you. Have an incredible day. Have a good one. Take care. God bless you.